God is good? All the time. This morning we'll be reading out of Genesis chapter 3. We're continuing our series this morning, New Beginnings. And the new beginning part is being a new being in Christ, a new being. How do we operate in the transformation that we are in Christ Jesus? We talked about the proclamation last Sunday that there is a God, and we want, to, we want to proclaim that on the mountaintop. We want to, all the valleys and the trees and, and all peoples of all the plains to hear, there is a God. His name is Jehovah, and we worship Him. We praise them. He is majesty. He is creator. He is sovereign. He is authority. And He is our God. And we worship Him today. That's who we were singing about uh, this morning as, as we were proclaiming and that as we were talking about the faithfulness of God, the love of God, and the mercy of God. We also talked about how do we know that there's a God? Well, we talked about seeing God in creation and how beautiful and wonderful it is when you notice the sun rising and the sunset and all the things that are taking place out there. It's just a beautiful time of year. I remember last night we were sitting on the porch and my son is, uh, Cameron's in from seminary and uh, he's getting ready to start a new semester and he came to visit and he brought somebody with him this time and it was a female. And, and I think this female is, uh, is a serious one. Uh, because he doesn't bring anybody home unless it's serious. Because, you know, they'd have to meet me. So <laughs> this was a serious encounter. And last night, we were all together sitting on the porch, enjoying the beautiful evening that it was, and just visiting. It reminded me a little bit about, uh, uh, about how we used to do in the old-timey days. Y'all, some of y'all don't remember, but uh, we used to sit on the porch after supper, you know, and watch the fireflies and just visit and talk and solve all the world's problems. And then we would go to bed with peace because we know we got it done. And that's kind of what last night was. It was wonderful. We also talked about how we see God in design, that we're fearfully and wonderfully created and we're designed with a, a purpose and we're designed functionally in our bodies and stuff like that. And, and we see God through creation. We see God in design and we see him in the spirit aspect of the nature of God. And in other words, the goodness that we experience comes from the goodness of knowing him. All things that is good comes from God and God alone. So we, we talked about that a little bit, and we talked about how do we know God, and we understand that we know God through this book, through the written Word of God, through the Spirit of God that confirms the written Word of God. And we established that in the beginning, the Word of God was Jesus and was with God. And He became flesh. The Word of God became flesh. And the Spirit of God was sent to empower us to be able to accomplish those good works that God had created in us to do. So we talked about the existence of God, and we talked about the evidence of God, and we talked about the Scripture of God, understanding how important that Scripture is for us as Christian people. Listen, you cannot understand who God is if you don't understand what the Bible says. We understand that this is His love letters to us. It's His descriptive to us as well. So 
We must study to show ourselves approved, a workman rightly dividing the word of knowledge and truth, that we may know how to do the will of the Father which has sent us. So we talked about that. And this morning we're going to be talking about the human tragedy, our brokenness, that we are all in need of a loving God. Genesis chapter 3, I think, paints this very well about why we need and why we're all sinners. Romans 5 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're going to get into why that is in the third chapter of Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of all the trees of the garden. But did you say that we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden? You said, he said, <laughs> I'm not reading well this morning. And you must not touch it or you will die. In other words, let me paraphrase, since I can't read it well, let me paraphrase it. The devil said, oh, God said you couldn't eat any of the fruit. And the woman said, no, we can eat all the fruit except the two trees in the middle of the garden. So she was clarifying to the devil because the devil sometimes gets us off balance by saying something that he knows we know is not true. Then he wants to sneak in a deception for us. And I think that's important to know. And verse 4, the, the, the serpent says, You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees. Say, hid from the Lord. Say, hid from the Lord. Thank you. They hid from the Lord. Among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you among all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, say enmity, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offsprings and hers, he will crush your head and he will strike his heel. Now, I want to pause there just for a minute. Because most, most of you in here know that I do not like snakes. And this is why I don't like snakes. Okay. Do you know what enmity means? Enmity means that it becomes a hostile opposition to you. In other words, 
the snake is going to come after you and bite your heels and you're going to crush his head. There's been enmity between us, the snake and the, I mean, not the males, but the people, okay? <clears throat> so when you ask me, why are you scared of snakes? Bless God, it's in the Bible. That's why I'm scared of snakes. I don't like them. Anyway. And I know my son, where's he at? Yeah, he's back there somewhere. Yeah, he likes them. He needs to get saved. <laughs> but other than that, he's a good boy. Anyway, <laughs> to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing, and with pain you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Cursed is the ground because you, through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Y'all understand where we were created from, right? Okay, we were formed from the clay. God breathed the breath of life to us, and all of us came from that lineage. It was progression down. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not allow to be reached, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat that he may live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden and worked to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way from the tree of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And we, we ask this morning that you open our hearts and our minds that we would receive your truth and be inspired and encouraged that transformation can really take place in our hearts and lives. We pray this now in, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I read this text this morning because I'm not here to try to prove who was at fault in the first sin. Say the serpent, say the woman, say the man. Everybody did wrong. Won't we agree? Okay. It's not nobody's actual fault. It's everybody did wrong. But out of that, we became broken when we disobeyed. Disobedience creates brokenness. You know, our world is full of brokenness. We have broken relationship, broken promises, broken expectations, broken uh, job requirements, broken uh, uh, relationships with our employers, broken children and relationships and marriages. We have brokenness all around us. And most importantly, we have a broken nature in ourselves. We ourselves think we're a little bit lower or sometimes a little bit above God. That's called pride. Brokenness is not a bad thing. And uh, when we embrace brokenness, it actually produces a great fruit and a true fruit in our life. There was a saying by, by uh, Albert Einstein. He said, it's easier, it's easier to denature plutonium than it is to denature the evil spirit of man. Hmm. 
that would tend to tell me that we are very broken, very broken. The problem is that we're in a society that teaches us that we're not broken. We're in a society that teaches us that we can achieve, we can be, we can uh, flourish, we're smart, we're important, we're all these things, and those are not bad things. But outside of the realm of the nature of God, it is bad when it's unto the flesh. And this is, our, I think, our fundamental problem. Brokenness is something that's not bad. Henry Newhoff says, brokenness in life will always exist as long as man exists on the planet. And, and he's correct. He is correct. Brokenness is something that shouldn't be shunned, but should be embraced. And our problem is, in our human society today, we're shunning brokenness, and we're trying to say, it's bad to be broken. Matter of fact, your subculture, if you're a broken and humble spirit, you have to be brazen and bold and full of pride and, and arrogance and everything else to be heard nowadays. Used to that it was the humble and the meek that got more attention than the bold and the courageous because people didn't like arrogance. Now it seems that people are striving for arrogance. We have people, and, and Justin can relate to this probably, and probably will experience this more in the trooper field than he did in the deputy field, that when you pull over a car, nowadays you have people telling you what the law is. And yet the troopers are the ones trained and are experts in carrying out the law, so to speak. Not that they can't be wrong. They can. They're human and broken as well. But when you have an arrogance of disobedience, when you have an arrogance of rebellion, you know, rebellion, Scripture says, is the beginning of witchcraft. And witchcraft is just the start of the denial of God himself. It's a manipulation of the power of the Spirit of God and the Spirit in which gives us life. So we're on a dangerous path. The problem is we've, we've counted brokenness as weak. We've counted brokenness as subpar. We've counted brokenness as second class. And we've said that brokenness has no place in society because pride, arrogance, and being what I want to be, when I want to be, and how I want to be it is the answer. And God says, that's why you were cast out of the garden to start with. That's why you were cast out of the garden to start with. So my question is today, is how are we embracing our brokenness? Understand, Scripture says beauty comes from ashes. Brokenness is, is, is a part of understanding what's precious on the inside. God says that he places the spirit within us. We're earthen vessels, clay vessels. You remember the Scripture where he says, from clay you were formed, from dust you were formed, and dust you shall re return. And, and it's clay is what he's talking about. He formed it out of clay. Not necessarily dust, you know. Dust is just a form of dirt. It's hard to form something out of dust, you know. Uh, but clay you can mold and make. And we were molded in the image of God, in the very image of God. The problem with that is, is that we believed our own press, and we believed that we're not only the image of God, but we've become our own. God. And the reason we do that is we do not realize who we are, a broken people. A broken people. I'm broken. I don't know about you. Here's how I know I'm broken. I've read this word, 
And it talks about righteousness, it talks about holiness, it talks about obedience, it talks about love, it talks about all these things. And I realize that my life doesn't line up with how it talks about those things, those subjects. I have selfishness, I have pride, I have things that go contrary to what the will of God is for my life. And instead of acknowledging my brokenness, what I want to do is accept and make my brokenness okay. My granddaddy said one time that I thought was a weird statement, but I've seen how wise it is. Back in the day, people were still sinful, still did all kinds of bad things, you know, got drunk, did their, you know, had stuff, you know, girly magazines and all kinds of stuff. That's always gone on. But the deal was, it was always done in the closet somewhere. And... They started to have the, this movement where homosexuals were coming out of the closet, where alcoholics were coming out of the closets and, and doing different things of this nature. And I said, what do you think about that? He says, bad. I said, why? Because you don't believe in homosexuality? He said, no, it's not that at all. He said, it's bad that they're bringing it out of the closet. And I said, what do you mean? He said, as long as they kept it in the closet, you knew they realized it was wrong. When they brought it out of the closet, they may still realize it's wrong, but they want to force you to accept that it's okay and it's right. And he says, it needs to go back in the closet. People are going to be people. They're the same people that it was 2,000 years ago. It's the same people when it was with Moses, same people when it was with Abraham. It's the same people that got cast out of the garden because we're sinful nature. We're broken vessels. But the problem is, is when we take our brokenness and we want to make it holiness and righteousness, we miss God. We are becoming our own God. And God is getting sick and tired of it. He really is. I believe. I have been burdened. I have been burdened with this thing about we are not acknowledging our brokenness. We're not acknowledging our sinfulness. We talk about Romans 5 where it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we fail to talk about in the context with that, God loved us and came and died and redeemed us while we were yet still sinners. The salvation doesn't come because we're righteous or holy or because we're right. It it comes because we submit and we say and acknowledge we're broken. Being broken is not bad. Just not acknowledging it is what's huge. It's what's huge. I'm broken. And I need a savior. I'm broken. I need a God who loves and redeems me. I'm broken. I need a God who forgives me. God says he's faithful and just to forgive us of every sin if we faithfully we come and confess that. But we're caught in a society. We're caught in a world. And the church is being swept in that same stream that you know what? We're going to call evil good and good evil. And we're going to set a new standard. And I'm going to tell you, God's not going to stand for it. He's not going to stand for it. God is a God of love, and God is a God of compassion, and God is a God of grace, and God is a redeeming God. God is all those things, but God is also a God of holiness, and God is a God of righteousness, and God is a God that wants us to come to Him and not Him 
serving us. Are y'all listening to me at all? I know this is not a popular message. And I know it doesn't fit this, you know, love theme that we should always have and stuff in the church. But there's got to be something that we understand in contrast that we preach about sin. Sin exists. It exists in my life. And if it exists in my life, I know, sure enough, it exists in yours. Sin exists. We are broken people. But there's hope. There's hope. We don't have to languish in our brokenness. All we have to do is acknowledge our brokenness. We, we, we don't have to say, I'm dead and done and I'm no good. And t-. You're not. God came for every sinner. For whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but have life everlasting and free. That's a promise given to all of us. The problem is, is when we forsake humility for pride, and pride starts telling us a lie that we're okay, we're good, we're whole, we're not broken, and then we become deceived, and then we're going to be led to the cliff that says pride leads us over the bluff and we fall to our destruction. That's what pride does. I'm not here to condemn all of us. We're already condemned. I'm just here to tell you that's the truth, that we are. But I'm also here to tell you we have hope. We have a God that loves us and a God has made a plan for us and prepared a way for us. We have a God that understands our brokenness. And even in our rebellion, even in our discord, even in our places that we pushed against God and we said, I don't want to, I want my will over your will, I want my way over your way, I want my desires and not godly desires, even though all that exists, God says that if we will acknowledge our brokenness and repent, in other words, turn to Him, instead of following the ways and the lust of the flesh, turn to God and follow His ways and His desires and His goals, His aspirations, and all of a sudden, we become whole, not in our ability, we become whole because of grace, because of love, because of compassion, and because of purpose. We were created for purpose. And that purpose is to acknowledge our brokenness and dependence upon God, the sovereign being. There was an article I read this week. It's called, Why is Sin So Important? Why, why is sin such a big deal? Sin is such a big deal in the fact that this, if we don't acknowledge sin, then we tend to trump God in importance. We replace God. When there's no longer sin. And I don't know if you've read this part, but God is a jealous God. Have y'all read that part? And God wants our hearts, not a portion of it, but He wants all our hearts. He really does. And I don't know about you, but left into my own ways, I was a, there was a few years in my life that I wanted to do it my way instead of God's way. And I'm going to tell you, it didn't turn out too well. It didn't work for me too well. Oh, it started out fun. It started out great. 
How many of you know sin is fun for a season? Sin has its initial warm fuzzies and stuff like that. But it kind of reminds me of the joke. It's really not a joke, but an illustration of the man who went to heaven when he died, when he got to heaven. St. Peter said, now here's the deal. We let you choose. So you got to go to spend a week in hell, and then you got to come back, and, and you got to decide, speak, spend a week in heaven, which one you want to be. So the man says, all right. So he spends a week in heaven. Everything was choir practice and they had worship and, you know, they had their jobs and stuff to do and it was glorious and nobody, everybody was cheerful and it was just wonderful and it was great. And then he went to hell for a week. And when he gets there, he walks into this wonderful plush, like clubhouse. There was a golf course outside and they were constantly playing golf and he spent a week playing golf and drinking Mai Tais over by the pool and swimming and doing all these kind of things. And... He says, wow, this is an awesome place. So he goes back to the pearly gates, and Peter says, well, you've seen them both now. What do you choose? He said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'm going to choose hell. It was pretty, pretty neat. He said, so be it. And so, boom, in an instant, he was transported. All of a sudden, there was torment. There was fire, brimstone, and there was agony, and he was in such pain, searing pain, that he couldn't stand it. And one of the demons came over and took a whip and whipped him up on the back, and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm confused. This is not the place that I went to. He said, what are you talking about? The place I went to had a golf course and had a club and a pool and my ties and everything, and it was wonderful and stuff. What is this place? Oh, that was our recruiting station. This is the real deal. Sin is like that. Sin will present to you a wonderful facade. Behind the facade is destruction, despair, discouragement. Everything that you don't want. But God gives us a hope and a promise. He gives us eternal life. For those who would acknowledge their brokenness, repent of their sin, and trust in God and follow Him. Don't let pride produce a facade of greatness for you. Be real. Acknowledge your brokenness that apart from God, I am nothing. I'll tell you this story. It's a true story. I had a person come up to me one time. He says, I'm going to ruin you. Obviously, I said something to him. Make them mad. I'm going to ruin you. You won't be able to preach in a church nowhere in this country when I get through with you. I'm going to ruin your name. I'm going to ruin your reputation. I'm going to ruin everything. And I said, hmm, okay. I said, I understand your strategy and I understand why you want to do it. But here's where your first mistake comes in. You thought I was something to begin with. Apart from God, I am nothing. You can't burnt something that's already burnt. <laughs> you ever tried to burn something that's already burned? You can't do it. It's already spoiled. It's already tainted. And apart from God, I am undone. Apart from God, I am ruined. Apart from God, I am nothing. So, whatever you do, will to be for my good 
and his glory because he's going to teach me something mighty in it. Because you see, I'm not subject to you. I'm subject to him. And I believe he uses all things for his glory in my life. If I will acknowledge my brokenness and understand that I am his and his alone. So madam, have at it. Go to town. Now in all fairness and disclosure, that was when I was going through the divorce with my first wife. Makes a little more sense now, doesn't it? I was broken before then. I was broken during then. I was broken after then. And I stand before you broken today. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I thank God for that every day of my life. Because He takes brokenness and He produces beauty. He takes brokenness and He produces glory. He takes brokenness and He produces fruit that is unfathomable. That's what God does. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to seeing what God has to do the rest of my broken life. Because so far, it's been pretty neat. The only times it hadn't is when I've been not what I needed to be. Not his fault. It's been mine. Humility. Brokenness. Understanding our sinful nature. These are things that bring great contrast for us to understand the greatness of God and the glory of God. Let us never forget who we are. And let us never forget whose we are. And walk in that confidence. Oh, by the way, I know I'm not out of time, but I don't want to say this because I need to clarify this. You can be confident in your brokenness about God's glory and God's will. You don't have to hang your head and be ashamed that you're broken. You can raise your head and be confident that God's got you. And it's not arrogance. It's just confidence in knowing whose you are. So don't go on the extreme and say, Whoa, it's me. I'm broken. Bless God, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to gaze upon your presence. Now, Scripture says, come boldly before the throne of grace because we're a child of God. But understand, the boldness should come in us being the child of God, not for us being all wisdom, all power, and all glory. God is not subject to us. We are His subjects. Does that make sense? Today, I don't know where you are. I don't know what's broken in your life that's really screaming at you and saying, you are nothing. But listen, your brokenness is nothing for God to overcome. No matter where you are, dysfunctionality and relationship strife, discouragement, challenges and healing and Battles with disease, things of this nature, all of that is the brokenness of humanity. But God has overcome the world that we may be set free. 
because those things are not hinged upon who we, whose we are and who we are in Christ. So be confident that you're His, but be aware we're still broken. And until we put on the glorified body and go to live with God in paradise for all eternity, we have work to do to be able to trust and lean on God. And by the way, when we put on this eternal body and we go to heaven and stuff, it's not going to be as hard, I think, to depend on God, but we still have to depend on God there. Are you hearing me? We still have to do it there. It's not game over, done, I can still... No, it's just a little easier then because we take on the mind of Christ, so to speak, and then we understand how awesome God really is. It becomes nature then. Right now, we have this sinful nature, not a godly nature. And we battle with it. We really do. To put it under subjection. To put it under submission to Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not what our thoughts go through our heads. It's what we do with those thoughts. Be mindful. Be aware. And let God work through you. In you. To make a difference outside. I can't tell you how important this is because we have a world that's going to hell in a handbasket because they're not getting this very thing. This very thing. And if we can, we can understand that there's abundant life out there for all who would believe, all who would receive, and all who would fall into this and just trust God in it. Be challenged. Be encouraged. Walk in it. Don't be ashamed. Embrace your brokenness and embrace God's glory in the midst of it. And you will see amazing things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning. We pray as we close and as we go our separate ways that this week that we'll understand brokenness and the power and the beauty of it when it's submitted under God and to God. God, we need you. Let us never Think that we can do it without you. We love you and we give you praise for all things. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for watching. We would love for you to connect with us online. On our website, you will find up to date information about everything happening around here. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please download our free app on your smartphone or tablet. We are so glad you're here today. We hope you feel at home and we hope you enjoy your friendship experience.